another episode. Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, here with Rich Klein. We're going to talk about the National Sports Collectors Convention in a, in a more general way. Uh, it's, it has happened for 2019, but it will happen again in Atlantic City in 2020. And as I said before in the recap episode, all the sponsors were there. Uh, pretty much it was a huge crowd, very well received. But Rich and I are going to discuss uh, buying and selling strategies uh, at the National, what we saw, what we uh, contemplate, what we liked, perhaps what we didn't like. And uh, for those of you who are dealers or collectors or buyers or sellers, you may get some ideas of what to do or what not to do. But I've got, uh, as I said, all the sponsors were there uh, with a major presence in almost every case. But Burbank was there, spent some time with Rob Veras, ComC. We, we outshipped what we did the previous year which, as of Sunday morning, which is pretty amazing. I think ComC had a great show, and I try to do my tiny, tiny, small part. You helped very much. But uh, and uh, Beckett Media was there doing lots, had lots of action. And they had a special the night at the ballpark. Yep. And they had a night at the ballpark. Um, also, uh, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, his first national, enjoyed uh, visiting with him, and he had a he has a childlike sense of wonder. Anyway, very engaging guy, and. Heritage, Huggins and Scott, the auction houses, all the, pretty much every major auction house was there, not just our, our two sponsors. And then Panini, Tops and Upper Deck, major presence there as well. But for the average person that's walking in, they've got a choice to make when they walk in the door. Where do they go? So you have a philosophy of kind of, uh, I don't know if it's, uh, uh, burrowing or uh, doing the outside, outside to in, or some people do back to front, front to back, left to right, right to left. What's your strategy? I think. It depends what you're doing, but you know, for people like you and I who really enjoy just digging through boxes at where we know what the price is and we might get a, even a slightly better break above that. But you know, if I look at a quarter box and I know it's a quarter box, I, f- I find that I'm better off shopping the edges of the national. It's like going to a supermarket where your fresh food is all, you know, you walk, I walk into my local Kroger's. And the first thing you see is fresh fruit and fresh vegetables. And then you see the deli section. And then as you walk the back, there's the meat section. And then the dairy section, and then that you know, and that's the circling the edges. Forgetting the discount boxes, allow your best stuff for that is circling the edges, and because they're not your main dealers who have priorities of thirty, thirty-five, or forty, but they have lesser priorities, so they're a little bit towards the back or a little bit on the edge, and it's a cool place if that's what you're looking for to start. If you're doing serious collecting, you'll want to start at the front quadrant of the room where the more established dealers with the more established merchandise that the serious people are looking for are in that part of the room. So it depends what you're coming to the national for. Well, uh, if you start on the outside, that means, are you saying then you would do the corporate sponsors later? I would Because do the, they're all in the middle. They're much. all in the middle. You could do the court depending on your purpose. If your purpose is to try to get, and I, I don't want this to sound wrong, but as much free stuff, you know, the corporate sometimes have yeah, swag. You know, swag, especially if you come early in the day. So Which is great swag. Yes, it is. It's not junk stuff. It's it's uh, valuable stuff in many cases, whether you get something a little bit valuable or a lot valuable. So the corporate the sponsors, and so, so some people make a beeline. But if you're a collector with a want list, or you have some idea, you're more of a collector than a, than a, than a fan, then you, you know what you're looking for. And then you probably start in the front of the room, in the front quadrant of the room, where the more established dealers are, who have more items relating to what you do, and then it becomes more hit and miss. If you're collecting 62 tops rookie parade high numbers, you're probably not going to go through a dollar box looking for those well, you look all you want. You're probably not going to find you know, them. But, you, you, but uh, I don't like going and having to ask for pricing. Maybe that's a remnant, a remnant of when we were doing a price research and circulating around. If you see a table full of nice cards and nothing is priced, the, the only 
saving grace in that is if I know the dealer pretty well and can engage to see how they're pricing, but it's kind of off-putting to walk I'm, up to a table and nothing is priced. I'm the same way. To me, items have to be priced. You know, if a box says all cards in this box a quarter each, that's or all cards a dollar each or five dollars each, that's priced. I'm okay with that. Well, I'm okay with that too, but when all cards are a dollar and we uh, we both uh, frequented one place that had that and there were some interesting things in there, but uh, and we had this discussion on the show floor, everything is a dollar, but if you buy X quantity, it, it could wind up being less. Correct. And so even though everything's priced in that nominal way, if you bought one card, it's going to be a dollar. If you buy two cards, you can't expect it to be 50 cents. But if you bought 500, it would be, uh, it maybe. Should, it might and be 80 so or 90 cents. Some and of that's the dealers, fine. But some of the dealers actually had their discount schedule that you could see at this point, it goes to this price. And I just like to know before I start pulling cards, because uh, it's not a good deal. The same card in the dollar box, if it's, if it's, <laughs> If it's worth a dollar, you wouldn't want to pay a dollar unless it's something you really, really need. But if there's any thought of reselling it, you know, buy low, sell high always works in this industry. But buy high, sell low doesn't. Well, we talked about the do- but the person, and you know, and I'm just going to say the person with the dollar table knows me from Twitter, and, yeah. you know, and he knows me from being active on social media, and I, you know, and I've retweeted yeah. some of his stuff. And he, since he knows who I am, he was comfortable telling me. What, you, what the arrangement would be. What the arrangement would be. That he didn't necessarily want to publicize. Exactly. And when that, I, when and I that, go up to somebody, I don't, I don't say, hey, shout out what your discount is, because right. everybody would then try to work no, off that. No, but, but he, he told me in advance that he would just... But I still only picked out anything I picked out, and it was like 30 cards. I only picked out stuff that I would yeah. actually have paid a dollar for. Well, you know, that, seems other, that seems wise. You know, hey, in case he couldn't do anything because the price, that wasn't enough, I'm still comfortable with a dollar each, and that's fine. And then if, if he said it's 25, that's fine. If he said it's 30, that's fine. We uh, have been talking today before, just batting this around, this unrehearsed, but we did mention the, the dilemma of Sunday afternoon at a, at a large card show, that people are played out, spent out, uh, and uh, there's not a lot of energy in the room. And so even if you were to lower your prices on Sunday afternoon, the customers... So we both experienced a situation where a longtime dealer uh, jumped the gun preempted and gave his Sunday afternoon prices first thing Saturday morning. And I think he was very pleased because there all of a sudden was a huge crowd at at his table and wow. he's a veteran well respected uh, dealer who's uh yeah that was that was very interesting and and I just stumbled upon that by accident we were just walking I go oh I took a look through about 20 cards I said uh, Jim you need to go here yeah, and no, that was fun that was fun and yeah. you spent the rest of the afternoon there I spent there. a bunch of time there and like I said I've known this guy for for 30 or 40 years myself uh I had lunch with John Esch. Oh, John's uh, one of my favorite people. This week, this week. And Good. he had been at the National, and we actually flew up on the same flight together. And so he had a very different experience at the uh, at the National than, than I did. I'm just, I just, I, I don't even mind quantity of cards. Uh, quality is good. It's not in the eye of the beholder. As you know, my strategy is probably, I buy slow-moving, low-demand cards uh, yeah. that I think uh, might eventually sell. So I'm not competing with a lot of people. John Esch also does that. He's not competing with a lot of people. He's buying low demand, but very low supply as well. He's buying a lot of 19th century and early 20th century stuff. So he actually has a want list. He knows what he's looking for. He goes in. He knows the dealers. He knows uh, what he wants to pay. He has a fabulous collection. Which and, I saw recently. Which, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's over in Fort Worth, uh, and uh, he's a great guy and, and had a great time. But he, he was, uh, I guess he got there Wednesday and stayed Thursday and and uh, wasn't necessarily looking for bargains, uh, although he did say he found a couple things that were um, 
you know, a lot of guys that come in, they're not just uh, want lists, but they're opportunistic buyers. So he he didn't know that he needed it or wanted it, but he saw it at that price. And he thought, you know, that looks that looks uh, interesting. But he's one of those rare uh, complete set guys. And, and once you go for complete sets, you're 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 really on a journey. And he's got quite an impressive collection. He's, As I said, I had never seen it. He invited me over. We spent a wonderful Saturday afternoon there. And he owns some really cool stuff. And I had challenged him before in the way you would challenge him. Show me something I haven't seen before. Well, he's got that stuff. And he's got that stuff. And he's got that stuff. <laughs> and, 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 and I didn't care about the expensive cards. I want to see, uh, you know, he's a big TCU guy. And exactly. he had some recent yeah. TCU stuff that, hey, I've never seen that either. And that's local. I should have seen that locally here. Well, that's the other uh, thing that I'm doing. I, I basically, when I'm looking through stuff, I don't need to spend a lot of money to get interesting cards. But I do local interest guys. I do a little bit of TCU just because I've got friends there, but mainly SMU, but also Texas A&M where my stepson went and Baylor where my stepdaughter went. And so local colleges, local high schools, um, anything, you know, Mavericks, Stars, Cowboys, Rangers. Uh, so I mean, I'll look through the boxes and if I see something, then if somebody comes over and they're a casual collector, they don't care if it's a $5 card or $1 card or they probably care if it's a $500 card, but I'm not really generally buying yeah. those because that's that's not, I mean, like Luka Doncic. I, I've, I've got a rookie card, but it's not signed. It's not done any game use stuff. It's it's just a, a card that if somebody says, hey, you got any Luka cards? I said, yeah, here's one. <laughs> I have to ask you a question. Yeah. When you were sitting at this table on Saturday morning yeah. and then Saturday afternoon, almost to the end of the day on Saturday, I would bring people over every once in a while because they wanted to get your autograph. Yeah. The guy who was sitting next to you, I don't think he moved either. Did he ever wonder why people were coming, why you were signing autographs for people? <laughs> no, he just said, pass the next box. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there were a whole bunch of boxes there. And uh, uh, again, I'm, I'm a order out of chaos guy. But what that means is I'm comfortable with chaos. I like to bring order to it. But if there's no chaos, it's, it's not interesting. So these boxes were very chaotic. And so it's mixed up sports. You'd have some, a card that would be a good card next to a terrible card. Well, I don't care. I'm just going along. But every, every 10th or 20th card was interesting. I'd put that in the pile. And the guy next to me was doing the same thing. What I found fascinating at some of these places where I went is that if that guy, that, that particular guy as well as other people that would be at the same table looking at the same stuff, he would pick out uh, 50 cards out of that triple shoe box that he thought were interesting to him. He'd pass the box to me, and I'd find another 50 that were completely different uh, mindset of what I thought would be interesting to buy, and, uh, and vice versa. Well, I'd do it first, and so... Um, it was like when you and I would go to the National, and we yeah. would both buy, buy stuff for your, now your library. It was amazing. We almost never duplicated on what we bought. Well, there's a lot of stuff out there, Rich. There's just a lot of <laughs> but stuff. But even out at there. the national, the, we wouldn't duplicate. Even at the national, but uh, yeah, but it's um, it it's you know John Ash notwithstanding, it's, it's just hard to have a want list. You have to just kind of hold it uh, above the neck. You know, you've got to just think this this looks interesting. And many of the things we bought, if we did buy a duplicate, it's not like we generally didn't overpay. No. Uh, you have a very sharp eye for what's what's uh, rare and and uh, a fair price. I'm wondering if they charged you less than they charged me when we walked up to those tables. But uh, like I said, I don't, if I I would ask, am I competing against Rich uh, or vice versa? I don't think that was the case. No. But anyway, going the national is a lot of fun. Whatever your selling strategy is, from John Ash, who's looking for very valuable, very obscure, very expensive stuff, to uh, Rich and I, who just enjoy working, uh, you know, handling a bunch of cards and seeing things we haven't seen. Uh, and everything in between, which actually includes uh, a lot of the slab stuff that was uh, uh, under glass and and uh, and really big bucks. But that's the kind of stuff you get in auction. Um, I'm looking for the stuff that 
you just can't get mailed to you because it's it's by, prohibitive. So by the way, I'm looking terrific. I'm looking forward to Atlantic City next year. I, and I think I'm going to actually spend a little extra time because I have a lot of relatives I haven't yeah. seen since my dad passed. Yeah. 15, 14, uh, it'll be wow. fourteen years ago. Wow. So I need to visit some relatives. So. I'm looking. This may be the first time I've ever said this. I'm actually looking forward to go to Atlantic City next year. Well, yes, like I said, it's going to Atlantic City. Uh, I'm not saying don't gamble. I'm not going to gamble because I have a PhD in statistics. I can tell you that the the guaranteed winner in gambling is the is the house. But I can't lose when I go to the national and enjoy seeing friends and uh, you know uh, spending time with cards and, and good friends. So yeah, thanks, Rich. Uh, thanks, we'll Jim. we'll do it again. We've got some other episodes planned, and we'll uh, look forward to experiencing those uh, in a couple of days. Thanks, Mike.